Amen. Our scripture again is taken from the 10th chapter according to, or from the gospel according to Luke, Luke chapter 10, and we'll begin in verse 38 down through the end of the chapter, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Now, as they went on, uh, as they went on, on their way, uh, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. May God richly bless both the reading and the hearing of his holy word. Now, this text is one that I've preached on a number of occasions, but um, tonight what I want to do is approach it in the spirit of our discourse from last Sunday night. Last Sunday night, we looked at uh, how God saves us individually through his tender mercies in Romans chapter 12, verses one, uh, verse one, where he says, now that you have received uh, the tender mercies of God, I beseech you, he says, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then he tells them to not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So individually, we are recipients of God's grace and the mercies that he gives us in the gospel and Christ. And then he tells us, because Christ is the burnt offering, we can now offer ourselves as thanks offerings. But then he contextualizes what he means by being a thank offering. Being a thank offering or a thanks offering to the Lord means that we recognize that we are parts of the body of Christ. And as such, he has given us a mission. He's given us, he's given us gifts where we can function in the context of the body of Christ. Now, he does give us a warning. I mentioned last week that, that sometimes the, the, the danger to the, the, the smooth functioning of the body of Christ is when, the, when we see the inflamed ego of our fallen nature taking place or taking pre- precedence and priority. In which case, he says, that we should not think more highly of ourselves than we should. Rather, we should look to others. And so, therefore, we see ourselves individually as parts of the body of Christ, but collectively, we are all the body of Christ, which means we should have equal value and proper assessment of others' gifts and others' presence within the body, not trying to outshine one another. And then we are told that we are to do so really for the service of God, and we know that we are his and we belong to Christ, and that's how we should function in the church body. Now, I want to look at this text tonight as an illustration of how sometimes our service and our gifts can be kind of bothered by our wrong understanding of things. So let's look at at, uh, the conflict that we see between these two sisters. 
these two sisters, Mary and Martha, who were along with their brother Lazarus, were friends of Jesus. And usually whenever he was in Bethany, he stayed in their home. And we see even here in our text that they served him. And as Jesus was served, he continued to minister to them. So, as we see, uh, tonight there is a conflict. And the conflict is Jesus is, is serving, or Jesus is present, Martha is serving, Mary is listening, and therefore conflicts arise. And this kind of reminds us that even when we are doing our service for the Lord, whether it's in the context of our local church or sometimes in the broader church community, conflicts can arise. Not, not, we're not talking about outside trials as we did this morning, but now we're talking about the issue of conflicts that can ri- arise within the body of Christ. And the conflict between these two sisters give us a great illustration of, how, of the dynamics of those kinds of conflicts. There are four things that we want to look at tonight. Here's the first thing. The first thing to note is what, at, what is at issue here. And the conflict between these two sisters is not a matter of right and wrong. This is not an issue of right and wrong, uh, but rather it is a, a situation of good and better. On the one hand, Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And, of course, if you were to pull Martha aside and you were to ask her on, a, on any other day, on any other day other than when Jesus is sitting in her living room or in her dining room waiting to be served, if you were to ask her what is the most important thing for a Christian, you know what she would probably say is to be able to sit at the feet of Jesus. So here we see Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha would agree that sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him teach, can you imagine listening to Jesus teach? Surely when God's word is rightly divided by his called servants, it's a gift. I have been blessed and tremendously blessed to be able to listen to wonderful Bible teachers. One of my great joys as a Christian, I, uh, I, I loved listening to, or actually I, I came across the writings of R.C. Sproul a number of years ago, probably back in about 89 or so, and it was a joy to be able to read his works, and then I had the privilege of watching a video, his most famous video probably on the holiness of God and to listen to him teach. And then I got a chance to go to a Ligonier conference and hear him in person and open up the word of God and what a blessing. And then over the years we got a chance to get to know him and then still sit at his feet and listen to him teach and open up the word of God. Can you imagine as great a teacher as R.C. was, he pales in comparison to the one that he taught about. And so nothing on this earth could possibly be better and in terms of listening to teaching than listening to Jesus. Even the the, the congregations, when he came into the synagogues, they said he doesn't teach like our scribes teach. He teaches as one who has authority. Mary obviously sees that, and Martha would certainly agree with her. But yet, when Jesus is under the roof, and Jesus is in her home, while Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him teach, 
Martha was serving. So can we say that serving, there's something wrong with serving? Not at all. As a matter of fact, in Romans chapter 12, verse 13, we read this, that contributing to the needs of the saints and showing hospitality is not only a, a gift, but it is a function of certain body parts or certain parts within the body of Christ. So on the surface, here's what we see. Mary and Martha both doing something good. They are both engaged and they're not engaged in anything that is wrong. There is no gossiping that's taking place. Mary is at Jesus' feet teaching. Martha is exercising perhaps her gift of hospitality. And yet there's conflict. Not over something that's right or wrong, but there's a clash when it comes to the priorities that have been established. Now, let me say this just as an aside. There are many things that disturb the peace in many of our local churches. And some of it, it's, we, we kind of learn to deal with it, but we don't have to be content about it or with it. But here's the thing that's probably the most disturbing. Most often, the things that upset the fellowship of many of our churches is not a matter of right and wrong. It's a matter of good and then another good, and sometimes it's a matter of good versus better. And isn't it interesting how this thing escalates, that Mary is not doing anything wrong in listening to Jesus teach, and Martha is not doing anything wrong in serving the one who teaches. But yet, Martha sees it as, as something being off, so much so, hold in mind, we're talking about two grown women, and Jesus is only their teacher, not their father, and yet Martha feels the need to go rat out her sister to Jesus, as if she's like, like five-year-olds where one goes to tell daddy on the other one. What's wrong here? Brothers and sisters, even in our doing good, our fallenness often comes out. So the first thing that we see is what, as, what is at issue in this conflict is not a matter of right or wrong. It's not a matter of someone departing from the scriptures. Jude warns the church of those who have crept in among you unaware who have made a shipwreck of, of the faith in essence. They are teaching that which is contrary to what was once delivered to all of the saints. That's not what's happening here. And again, how many of our church conflicts are not a result of someone standing up? And by the way, I would, I, I, I would take this position. I wish if we're going to fight in church, let it be over right and wrong. Don't let it be over stuff that's good and good. If we're going to fight, if we're going to get angry, if we're going to get upset, let it be because someone has departed from the faith once delivered. Let it be because someone is, is, is giving another gospel, as Paul says in Galatians. We shouldn't be fighting over the color of the pews, or whether or not this program or that program is getting right funding. Those are, that's a clash of good things, and only sinful people have the capacity and creative ability to take good and put it at odds with something else that's good. 
Here's the second thing. Martha is said to be distracted. And notice it says this, that she is distracted. And the good that she's doing, we can't lose sight of the fact that she was distracted with much serving. It wasn't that she was tired of serving. Serving is a good thing. But she was distracted in her serving. Understand, as we already said, there was nothing wrong with her serving. But obviously there was something wrong with the server. Mary being, or Martha, I should say, being distracted in doing good is a good example of the inflammation of the fallen ego, even when it comes to doing good. Notice the complaint that she brings against her sister. She says, Jesus, here I am. Martha, Mary is sitting here at your feet, and here I am. She's left me to serve. Listen to her complaint. Think about that for a moment. She is complaining because her sister is sitting at the feet of Jesus as he's teaching. It doesn't even say it. I I like the fact that Luke emphasizes that he wasn't just regaling. He wasn't giving anecdotes. He wasn't telling jokes. He was teaching. And Mary is sitting there teaching. And somehow the implication of Martha's complaint is that it would be better for Mary to be doing what Martha is doing rather than sitting at the feet of Jesus. If you pull her aside on a Monday morning when Jesus is not there, she would tell you and you were to ask her, what's the most important thing, hospitality or listening to the word being taught by Jesus himself? She would probably say, hands down, oh yeah, listening to Jesus But look what can happen when we use our gifts and we view them, not from the lens of the cross, but the lens of our own fallen nature. And it's at this point that Martha seems to indicate that it's better for her sister to be helping her than to be teaching. Now, one could argue this, especially given the first century. One could say that the reason that, that, that Martha is concerned is because we know that that's the woman's place. And, and she's in the place. She's serving. And so men need to learn. And again, here's what can happen. Brothers and sisters, whoever we are, that's why I like what Paul says, that in Christ, we are neither male nor female. <laughs> we become a new creation And so some of the baggage that comes from culture and some of the baggage that comes from the habits of living among fallen sinners is the means for us to reevaluate things. You see, everyone has equal access to the word of God. And it's a shame where we can tell our our girls to say, no, you go over here and do that, rather than sit down and listen to God's word being expounded. Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And this is a problem for her sister who loves her and loves the Lord. But Martha is distracted because, in a sense, her fallen ego, it's not like she's beating a drum and saying, me, 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 but what she is doing is she is elevating her gift and her own passion for hospitality, and she's using it as a new law to judge her sister, who is now seated at the feet of Jesus. Now tell me this doesn't happen in our churches. 
that we are committed to serving in a particular area and because that's our passion. And then we look around and we don't see enough people with our passion. And then we, we start, we, maybe not to the same degree as Martha, but we somehow want to question the, 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 the sincerity of their faith because they are not committed to this even as we are. And that's nothing more than the inflamed ego. That's why I, I, I really believe that it's a, if it's a gift of the Lord and you are doing it, you're doing it out of joy for serving the Lord and you would do it even if no one else did. And brothers and sisters, here's what we see with Martha. She's distracted. It's nothing wrong with serving. It's nothing wrong with showing hospitality to a stranger. But sometimes that we, we, can, we can allow our gifts, we can allow our passion, we can allow our service. And the things that we are engaged in to become so enlarged that it becomes the lens by which we judge everyone else. At which point, brothers and sisters, our gifts are really secondary to the primary things. So Mary, or Mary is at Jesus' feet, and Martha is serving, but she's serving with distraction. She's not serving with joy, and I'm sure she loves the service and she loves to be able to, to prepare for others, but she's not serving with joy because she's too concerned about Mary not being there. And that's what causes her to go to Jesus, and she expects Jesus because he knows the social order. Now it's time for the women and children to leave. And that he would therefore somehow endorse her in getting her sister from the feet of Jesus into the kitchen and serving. And Jesus surprises her. He doesn't affirm Martha with all of her zeal in serving. But rather he really exposes her. And that brings us to the third thing. Being distracted by doing good is a matter of misplaced priorities that arises or results from misguided perspectives. Being distracted in doing good is the result of misguided or misplaced priorities that itself results from misguided perspective. Perspective means how you see things. And I would argue this that our perspective is what shapes our priorities. It's how we see things that helps determine for us what we deem to be the most important things. And so in this instance, perhaps it was a class thing where, Mar where Martha thought all women should be serving when teaching is going on. I don't know if that's what it is, but it could be that, or it just could be that she's running a little short on time. Maybe it was more people in the house than she expected, and she needed an extra hand, and she's offended that her sister, because if anyone is to help, if anyone is to be torn away from the feet of Jesus when it comes to teaching, it ought to be her sister and she ought to help her out. Jesus touches on this idea of misguided perspectives that 
leads to misplaced priorities in verse 41. Because in verse 41, he says that Martha was troubled by many things. In, his, in, in essence, he, you could say that Martha is troubled by something else and she brings that to her service in, in serving the Lord. She's anxious and she's troubled by many things. And this is what has caused her to try to pull her sister away from the feet of Jesus into the kitchen. In other words, perspective shapes priorities. And in this case, Martha's perspective is this. The most important thing is the meal that she's been laboring over all day long. So therefore, the highest priority is for her to get some help in the kitchen. Brothers and sisters, sometimes our perspective places a higher priority, especially when it comes to 21st century church ministry, that we lose sight of what's most important for the body of Christ. There's an old adage, and most of us are familiar with it, or old approach in, in church service, especially for new members. When, when I was growing up, as soon as a person, because we had the open people come down the aisle and, you know, we say we open doors to the church, which I always found to be curious, but open the doors of the church, people come down the aisle, give and, and say they want to become members of the church, and no sooner than they say it, Here's what we put on them. So where do you want to work? What do you want to do? Brothers and sisters, the best thing for most of us to do, even with the Apostle Paul, who was a Pharisee of Pharisees, who knew the Bible inside and out, but yet when he came to the Lord, he doesn't, we know that he's the greatest writer of the New Testament, but the Apostle Paul is first sat down. And he has to learn. Sometimes we get too anxious because we view our gifts in the wrong spot, in the wrong way, and we get so busy being churched that we're not grounded in what we're doing and why we're doing it. Martha is very much committed to serving, and she is so committed to serving that she's, without actually saying it, she's almost willing to say that anyone who doesn't sign up and serve with me is in sin. She doesn't say it, but she may as well, because she runs and she tells Jesus. But the words of Jesus, it's penetrating to us because he says, you know, no, actually you're bringing your baggage, Martha, you're bringing your baggage to your gift. Whatever else, whatever your issues are, and it's interesting that at the death of Lazarus, it's Martha who says to Jesus, well, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. One could say, but if you were listening when I was at your house, you wouldn't be asking that question. You wouldn't be putting me to the test. If you had been here, she said, you would, he, he wouldn't have died. And so here's what we see. Martha is engaged in doing good, but her distraction and her anxieties and her being troubled about many things has inflated the weight and the worth of her gift of serving. What is the most important thing for the church of God corporately 
and individual believers as, as, indiv- as individuals. Isn't it the ministry of the word? And so here's what Jesus does, which brings us to the fourth thing. And that's the affirmation that he gives of Mary. He doesn't say that what Martha is concerned about is wrong. But he does say this, that Mary has chosen, in essence, the best portion. That she has chosen not just good, but that which is better. And then he also says that her choice is an enduring choice. In other words, her choice is the ministry of the word. Therefore, I would argue that availing ourselves to the ministry of the word is primary and everything else is subservient to it. And the more grounded we are in the word of God, understanding what he gives us in his grace and the gospel, understanding the intent of his law, the more grounded we are in God's word, it will inform and equip us when we do service. That's really what Paul says in Ephesians 4, verse 11. He says he has given to the church the gift of apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers. And then in verse 12, he says, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Jesus is passing through Bethany. He stops at a house that is a microcosm of the church because in this house, There are believers, both of them, who love the Lord. One waits at his feet and listens to the words that come from his mouth, and the other one is serving him because she's gifted in that way. But when the one doesn't see her sister busy like her, and sometimes we want to see everybody busy like us, we want to see everyone busy, and not just busy like us, but busy doing what we're doing. The implication is that if we're not doing what, you're, what we're doing, if you're not doing what I'm doing, if your passion is not my passion, then somehow we need to talk to Jesus about you. But Jesus says we can be distracted even in doing good when we become anxious over many things. And so the word of affirmation to Mary, in essence, is Mary is not... And, and by the way, we're preaching through the book of James... So we, as we work through James, one of the, the hallmarks of James, the book of James is James saying in chapter 1, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. So he's not saying that we can just say, oh, well, I'm just studying God's word and we don't have a responsibility to serve. But I would argue this, that the more grounded we are in the word that we receive, the more focus will be in the service that we give. James says, be doers and not hearers only, but that doesn't mean doing trumps uh, hearing. In fact, uh, Paul talks about those who are always learning and never coming to a knowledge of the truth. And the idea that he's presenting there is not that they don't know facts, but the facts of the gospel has not impacted their thinking. Mary has heard something from Jesus that allows her to see that her greatest priority on this side of heaven is to hear what the master says. Mary is at Jesus' feet, 
and Martha is distracted. But Jesus says what Mary is doing is giving the right priority to what we need as the as the representatives of God in this world, what we need more than anything else is to hear what God has said to us through the words of his son. In John chapter 6, when Jesus feeds the multitude and, and many of them want to follow him and, and make him king by force, and then when Jesus exposes them as just being driven by the physical bread, he begins to teach difficult things that cause many of his disciples to walk away. And then finally, he turns to the twelve and he says, are you going to leave me also? And Peter speaks up. Now, a lot of times Peter speaks up. And as, as Steve Brown says, Peter often had nothing on his mind and was not afraid to say it. So oftentimes Peter puts his foot in his mouth. But at Caesarea Philippi, when he confesses that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, he got it right. And in John chapter 6, he gets it right. When Jesus says, are you going to leave also? Peter answers correctly, Lord, if we go, where are we going to go? Because you have the words of eternal life. Brothers and sisters, let us not be so busy doing that we undervalue our access to the word of life. When he says that what Mary has chosen won't be taken away, here's the thing. When we are in heaven, there will be no gifts of hospitality because everyone will be at one in Christ. But when we are in heaven, we will be in the presence of the one that has saved us, who is the very logic and the very embodiment of the word of God. And that, Jesus says, will not be taken away. On this side of heaven, at best, our understanding and our grasp of God's word is always going to be short of what it should be. It will all, we will always be growing in our understanding. But Jesus says what Mary has chosen won't be taken away. In fact, not only will it not be taken away, it will be brought to its fullest realization. Gifts will fail. But in eternity, we still will have a love for the incarnated word of God. Don't let good triumph over what is better. Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we do thank you again for the privilege of worship and of fellowship. We thank you for your word that feeds us and that nurtures us, that reminds us of who we are and the grandeur of your grace towards us. We pray that we would forever continue to, to receive this word and hear it speak to us in our moments of weakness and even in our moments of strength so that our priorities would be established properly and our perspective would be established by what you have revealed. Thank you for the reminder that sometimes we can be so caught up in self that we make more of self and our service than we do of your grace and of your word. If this be our case, we pray that you would reveal it and give us a heart of repentance. 
so that we, like Mary, would choose the best part. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Would you please stand? Remember, tomorrow night, dinner will be served for our friends from Canada here in the Fellowship Hall. And we encourage all that can. If you can't come out, you don't want to come out and eat, come out and shake their hand. Pray for them, even if you aren't able to come out. Pray for them as they go throughout the, the area in various, on various campuses. Now may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the love of God and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with you both now and forever. Let all of God's people say, Amen. Amen.